there, I'm Tom Schultz, host of Voices of Montana, an issue-oriented newsmaker radio program heard weekdays on 18 radio stations with 27 signals all across the Treasure State. Thanks for clicking on the podcast. Please subscribe and we'll do our best to keep you connected. We're also on Facebook at Voices of Montana and on the Internet at VoicesOfMontana.com, where I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at Tom at VoicesOfMontana.com. Looking at some of these Glacier Park visitation numbers, one I have here from 2019. I don't know how you squeeze 3 million-plus people uh, through that park. We we do, though. And I, I go back on my Glacier National Park back page here about visitation. When the park opened in 1911, there was only 4,000 visitors there. Maybe that was a lot back then, but it grew in uh, decade after decade by 400% and then uh, 200 140%. I mean, we don't see that large growth anymore. We we did see 10% um, decrease in visitation in 2018. But, man, we love our park. Montana's tourism industry is strong. And Glacier Park remains one of the most visited sites in the country. New rules, though. New camping rules, some new vehicle rules, and new wilderness rules. It might impact your stay this next summer. We'll talk with Jenna Eisnoggle, Public Information Officer for Glacier today on Voices of Montana. It's time for the fastest hour in radio from Montana for Montana. Voices of Montana with Tom Schultz. Call in today at 866-627-5483 or text a comment or question to 781-627-5483. Now here's your host, Tom Schultz. That's right, serving 3 million on a yearly basis. Well, maybe not quite that much. Uh, Hard to fathom that sort of number, but, you know, if you've gone to the park... At any time in the past decade or so, um, you, you've noticed, especially uh, in the last five years or so, uh, quite an increase in traffic there. And there have been some some moves that the park has made to maybe handle that and mitigate it, not only in the park, but around the park as well. And uh, today we're going to talk about some of those changes there because they certainly could affect the way um, you plan to take in the park either this next year. Uh, I think we, we all sort of have in the back of the mind in the summertime that, yeah, you know what, we, we might go visit the park this year. Um, and, and that's what a luxury that is for us to have here. Jenna Eisnoggle is with us, Public Information Officer for Glacier, with a conversation on deck about one of these most treasured treasures of the Treasure State. Good morning, Jenna. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. I'm calling from Glacier National Park where we've got a foggy, rainy day. Yeah, right. But a foggy, rainy day in Glacier beats me looking at Cody in the studio here any day. I'll tell you that. Okay. <laughs> that that is a fact. <laughs> Ouch! No, uh, we, Cody and I have a lot of fun uh, off mic. Thank God. Let's keep it that way. Um, anyway, uh, Jenna, thanks for being here. Let's just get right on top of of things here. I talked about the visitation. I'm I'm you know interested in those numbers out there as well. Three million people. It's just a it's a lot. There have been some changes. Where do you want to start? Well, we had a big announcement in November about the vehicle reservation system for 2024. We started the pilot of this vehicle reservation system back in 2021, and every year we've been able to collect more data. We've tried some different things out. That's the beauty of a pilot is you get to try some things that you haven't tried before. It gets a little frustrating for our visitors because since it's a pilot, every year things change a little bit. So like the previous years, we have some changes this year that folks might want to know about. We're, yeah, and, and so let's go with vehicle registrations and reservations. Uh, I mean, um, that was recently or newly implemented not that long ago. And as you noted, there have been some some changes here. Um, 
let's get into this. One of the changes I think that looks positive here is uh, an attempt to try and use those reservations a little more effectively. Right. So this year we have changed the the entrances that you will need the reservations at. And this coming season, you will need a reservation in the North Fork, in Mini Glacier, and the west entrance of going to the Sun Road. Now, one of the things we changed based on the data that we were able to collect is we have gone to a one-day reservation on going to the Sun Road. Last year, it was a three-day reservation, and when we started the pilot back in 2021, it was a seven-day reservation. What we found out after we were able to use scanners to scan QR codes as people came through with their reservation is only a a very small percentage of people, I want to say it was like 2%, used their pass for all three days last year. And only about 20% used it for two days. And then the majority used the pass for only one day. So this season, we're going to go with a one-day reservation on going to the Sun Road, as well as Many Glacier and North Fork, which were one-day reservations previously as well. How do people reserve? Starting on January, I believe it's January 25th, you can start making your reservations on recreation.gov. Navigate to Glacier National Park, to our page there, and make sure that you are on the correct area where you're trying to get the reservation because it is a separate reservation for each one of those areas. So you need a separate reservation for Many Glacier, another one for the North Fork, and another one for going to the Sun Road. And so, and these are vehicle reservations only, right? Correct. And as many people are in your vehicle, it doesn't matter. It's per vehicle. So for each vehicle, you'll need a vehicle reservation or motorcycle. Each motorcycle will also need a reservation. The dates when you need to have the reservations for the North Fork and the west entrance of going to the Sun Road is May 26th through September 10th. And it's only from 6 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon. So if you come in before 6 a.m. or after 3 p.m., you don't need a reservation. How, how has that been working then? I mean, uh, was that a change or um, I, I think I've heard people say they sort of like that um, open access early and late? Yeah. If you want a parking space at Logan Pass, if you're going to hike the High Line, you need to be past that gate by 6 a.m. anyway, uh, honestly, to get a parking spot at Logan Pass. So depending on what you want to do, you may be wanting to get in before 6 a.m. anyway. But people do like that flexibility. People who are going on the long hikes, the full-day hikes, such as the High Line or Hidden Lake or uh, Sai, um, some of those long hikes, they like to get up early, hike when it's cool in the morning. So, yeah, the 6 a.m. before 6 a.m. is really popular. The tricky part for us the last two seasons is that we had major construction going on on going to the Sun Road, which prevented us from being able to let traffic in before 6 a.m. There was just too much construction going on. We closed it during the nighttime, and it was closed from about 10 p.m. till 6 in the morning. So that option wasn't there the last two years. So people are pretty excited about being able to get into the park before 6 a.m. And the after 3 is really great. You know, a lot of people, especially the locals, know that those evening trips over going to the Sun Road and those evening hikes are just magical in the park. You get less people in there. People are going home, getting their kids dinner ready, you know, getting getting on with their evening activities. 
And that's the time when we have more wildlife coming out in the evenings when it starts to cool off. They're going for water. They're coming out and foraging. So after 3 p.m. is a is a great time to see the park. And as we know here in Montana, it stays light till, what, 10, 11 o'clock at night yeah. in the middle of the summer. So you have plenty of daylight. Going back to construction on going to the Sun Road. Anybody who has been over that road knows what, what a great experience that is but what a challenging road to to keep and maintain so that they got the construction completed or what was worked on there what was improved jenna in this season it was straight road construction the previous season in 2022 we replaced the forced mains for our sewer system that services apgar and services the campgrounds along going to the sun there like spray campground avalanche and it also services Lake McDonald Lodge. It was a well overdue for that project to have those forced mains replaced. And while we were at it, we also updated the u- other utilities like the power, the um, phone line, and they also laid some uh, fiber optic cables. Not that it's working yet, but um, they did lay it so that at one point or another, you will be able to utilize that. So that was the first year. Then we had been waiting to do that because we knew that the road was going to have to be busted up to be able to get to that forced main. And one whole lane of the road was completely busted up. So this year, on the heels of that project where those utilities were updated, we had to go in and complete the original rehabilitation of going to the Sun Road that started back in hmm, 2012, I want to say, or it might have even been earlier than that. And that last nine miles where we knew we had to replace those forced mains, um, we did not get that completed during the rehabilitation. So on the heels of that project last summer, we hit that hard, got all of that in, got a lot of the work done. If you've ever driven that road, you know that the edges were really steep and if you got a wheel caught over on that edge it would could suck you down into the the burrow pit there all of those have been rounded out much better the turnouts have been improved the drop-offs into the turnouts have been improved so it's looking really good unfortunately we the contractor ran into some weather issues can you imagine in montana the weather being an issue and they weren't able to complete the last mile and a half of that project this season. So they'll be hitting that this spring. Hopefully we'll get that knocked out early on, and then we'll have that road completely ready for our visitors in 2024. Yeah, what a, what a challenge that is, too. And, and I don't care um, how much road you have up there. It, it's still, that is such a magnificent drive, but you got to pay attention because it'll give you the willies, won't it? Yes, it will. And I have heard of visitors, and I myself am a little afraid of heights. <laughs> and I don't like being on the outside edge when driving that road. So I tend to volunteer to drive it. Then I can be on the inside, both coming and going, whether I'm going uh, eastbound or westbound. I like to be on the inside, but it is absolutely spectacular. Back to the vehicle registration. You can go online, recreation.gov, and then look to Glacier National Park. Can, how many days can you reserve? Can you, you have to reserve for all these different areas for, and this is just vehicle registration to get in, but it's open be, before 6 a.m. and after 3 p.m. Right. So some of the other changes we have coming up in 2024 is 
uh, you do not need a reservation for two medicine. We did have a reservation system there last year, and we had days when two medicine didn't sell out. So we are going to try that without a reservation system and see how that goes. Mm. If it gets too crowded or there's it fills up and there's no more, no more parking spaces, we'll need to do some temporary restrictions on traffic. So if you're going to two medicine for the day, I would suggest getting in there before 10 a.m. or wait until after two in the afternoon so you don't get caught up in that restriction. And then the other change is that you do not need a vehicle reservation if you enter the park at St. Mary for driving the going to the Sun Road. So all summer long, you do not need a reservation there. You can hit that east entrance at St. Mary and go over any other time of the day without a vehicle reservation. And the other thing to remember is even though we do have reservations at Mini Glacier in 2024, they do not begin until July 1. You do not need a reservation until July 1 for Mini Glacier. Now the west entrance is going to the Sun Road and North Fork. You almost need to start having reservations on May 26th. Those reservations can be reserved 120 days in advance starting on January 25th. That's when those reservations will come available on recreation.gov. So if you're a plan ahead kind of person, you want to make sure you have your reservations reserved, you will want to be on 120 days before the day of entry. So if you want to come to the park on on May 26th, if you're one of those people who like to, like to be there on that first day, then you'll want to be on recreation.gov on January 25th to make that reservation. If you want to come into the park on May 27th, you need to be on rec.gov on January 26th and so on and so forth. It's on a rolling basis. Gotcha. How um, 120 days in advance, and, and maybe this is sort of a subjective question, but how many days in advance should we start thinking if, uh, if we're not 120 days and we get to 45 days, are we still okay? Or when does it typically, when do those reservations fill up? That's a great question. And I will tell you, they sell out the first day they come available for that day. Uh, so I would be on at 8 in the morning, already be logged into recreation.gov. I would go on there even right now and set up your recreation.gov account if you don't have one. Set up your password, all of those things. Then on the day that your reservation comes available, jump on at about 7.45, get logged in, and be navigated to the page and the reservations that you want because they will go fast. Now, if you don't get a 120-day advance, which is about four months ahead of time, if you don't get one of those reservations, don't fear. We also will have reservations available for those who are less of a planner they're more spontaneous in their travel thank you and this is where this is where a lot of the locals fit in you can go on and this is a change too in in previous years the reservations came available 24 hours in advance at eight in the morning for you to be able to come into the park the next day we have changed that based on some of the research we've done and also talking with our sister parks and those reservations are now going to be available at 7 p.m the night before so if you wanted to come into the park, say it's June 2nd, and you're talking to your friends and you say, hey, you know what? We should go to the park tomorrow. Jump on at 7 o'clock that night for your next day reservation uh, to come into the park. That's good advice. I'm, I'm going to struggle, I think, to follow it. You know, it, <laughs> <laughs> just to be honest. Um, but I still like that, that option that we have that we can – 
so you guys have done what you can do to try to accommodate um, as many people as possible. But I don't know how you can when you're talking about three million visitors. What kind of what kind of feedback are you getting? We have been getting very positive feedback this year after our announcement in November. People have been very happy with the fact that we were able to announce it earlier this year. We are a full month ahead of when we announced it last year so that people can start making plans. We did a ton of public comment period. We got over 1,400 comments from our visitors putting, you know, saying what they like and they don't like. And our superintendent personally read every 1,408 comments that were sent in. So we took those very seriously. And one of the big things was people wanted access to Apgar Village here on the west side, and that's another big change. Before, you had to have a vehicle reservation before you even hit the west entrance here at West Glacier. You had to, there were rangers out on the road. They were checking for those reservations. In 2024, we've moved that filter station past Apgar Village, just past the turnoff for the campground for Apgar Campground. So visitors will be able to access Apgar Village They'll be able to access the shuttle system. Uh, they were always able to access the shuttle system on the east side because they could get to the St. Mary Visitor Center and hop on the shuttle there, and it's a free shuttle. But they will have access on the west side now, and you can go in as far as Apgar Village, check out the, the lake, get your selfie on the shore of Lake McDonald's, and visit the shops there in Apgar Village, visit the visitor center without a vehicle reservation. Established May 11th, 1910. Going to the Sun Road was completed in 1932. In 2019, more than 3 million people visited Glacier National Park. For Montana, for Montana, it's Voices of Montana. And Jenna Eisnagel is with us, public information officer from Glacier, as we're talking about some of the changes there. And still more to cover here on this uh, vehicle reservation system as well. Because, Jenna, uh, as you said, the park um, is, you're open 24 hours. And I think that's something that, that people don't really, uh, really, and then you never close. You're also open in the wintertime, huh? We are open in the winter, and that's an important thing for people to know as well. One of the places where we're getting the biggest increase in visitation is what we call the shoulder season. So that's in the spring and in the fall and in the winter time. Right now, we've got people just chomping at the bit to get in the park and take advantage of cross-country skiing routes and snowshoeing in the park. That's a really popular activity during the winter. And people really enjoy hiking and biking, going to the Sun Road before it opens all the way over Logan Pass. You know, we close it in the wintertime. Those alpine sections are closed because of the snow level that we receive. So you can go in as far as Lake McDonald Lodge, and then you can ski or snowshoe from there. But um, the shoulder season, when you can get in the park and you can hike or bike past Lake McDonald Lodge and past uh, avalanche campground without vehicles is just wonderful. People love doing that. They don't have to worry about vehicles getting off on the shoulder. I mean, we do ask people to still adhere to vehicle rules. If you're going uphill, you know, always try to stay in the right lane. Don't go down the middle of the road because we do have the maintenance vehicles that come through. So just be on the safe side. But um, that's becoming very popular. What, um, well, let's see. We got about a, a minute and a half here. Anything else on on vehicle reservations to kind of close up on here? Covered a lot of it, and, and we haven't even talked about some of the new fees there. They're not really all that tremendous. How much does it cost to, to, for a a day or 
maybe more than a day in the in the park. The reservation or the the entrance fee is still good for seven days. So for thirty five dollars a car, you can come and visit Glacier for seven days under that one fee. And then of course we have the yearly membership. I think it's seventy dollars for an annual pass to Glacier. And then there are some other passes that you can take advantage of that you can use in other parks as well. They're called interagency passes, America the Beautiful passes. We have some passes for military folks if they want to um, pursue that and get to the nearest federal agency that offers those passes. So there's there's a lot of options. Yeah, and I'm looking at your website now, uh, nps.gov and, and Glacier, and then plan your visit. And then and, and some fees here. These are These are very reasonable. Uh, but that's, I think, what we come to expect from our, our, our public lands as well because we our tax dollars go into that. But let's talk more as we come on back about Glacier National Park, favorite place across Big Sky Country here on Voices of Montana. The fastest hour in Montana radio continues. Call 866-627-5483 and join Montana's statewide radio talk show. Voices of Montana with Tom Schultz. Two decades strong and working on three. Thank you for making us part of your Montana mornings. It is an objective perspective. Voices of Montana. Tom Schultz alongside. Appreciate you joining us here as well. Uh, As we're talking about Glacier National Park, there's some changes there this year. But also, you've got the winter season upcoming. What kind of events uh, are going on there? Uh, Jenna Eisnagel is with us, a former rodeoer from uh, for for the bobcats and, and and jenna thanks for being here appreciate that public information officer with glacier national park you were you and i were just chatting yesterday and your rodeo roots go go back a little ways in montana is it okay you share those well sure i grew up on a ranch on the canadian border north of browning montana my folks are still ranching there and we are a rodeo family my grandfather rodeoed uh, built the first indoor arena for the bobcats in the field house where they now hold their spring rodeo he built what he built all of those panels is what you were saying he built all the he built all the panels this is before powder river panels existed and he built he welded them all together and and put them in the field house there yeah for the rodeo so i my mom and dad rodeoed for the bobcats my uncles um rodeoed for the bobcats my sisters it we were we've got uh deep deep bobcat roots so do you do you get out there and still ride a horse or you you spinning a rope anywhere? Oh sure. When I go home to the ranch, we're on horseback a lot. We still do most of our our cattle work on horseback, and I still am a breakaway roper. I breakaway rope uh, competitively, mostly in Canada, but yeah, still very active. Yeah, good. That's uh, that's great. And I appreciate that 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 sense of history. Um, you know, I think it impacts us all when we we look we grow up in Montana. And then we value the things that Montana gives us, and Glacier National Park is one of those. You had to raise some fees this year. We haven't talked about it yet, um, and we haven't talked about uh, some of the camping and then also wilderness lotteries. Let's go. Sure. We did have an increase in our front country campgrounds this season. They will go into place, and we have not had an increase in our campground fees since 2007, so about 15 years since we've increased our fees. And before we do something like this, we do a lot of research. We do some comparables for the surrounding area and how much campgrounds are going for locally. We had a public comment period and asked people for their feedback. And overall, the feedback was positive. People understand, hey, it costs money to run these campgrounds. And all of the fees go towards 
repairs and improvements that have direct impact on the and benefit the visitors and the facilities that they use. So we we do have uh, some increases. It depends on the type of site. It can be an increase from three to ten dollars, and some of our group sites increased. That was a bigger jump. They increased by thirty dollars, but some of the group sites decreased in price. So the best thing to do is to jump online and check out those fee changes so you know exactly how much the the fee change would be. I guess I've been camping in Montana a long time, and there were a lot of places you could just go and, and camp and didn't have to worry about reservations or fees like that. Now, I know Glacier is special in a lot of regards, uh, but keeping those fees manageable, I, I want to know why and how we are trying to keep those things reasonable so that they don't get to be $60, $70. And like, like I think there's some camping areas that have just gotten out of reach for some people. We have an obligation to the public to try to keep access to our national parks reasonable for economic economically reasonable for anybody who wants to come visit the park. So we don't want it to break you or you really hit your wallet hard to be able to come and camp in the park. Now, part of the reason our campgrounds are so popular is because, for one, it's Glacier National Park. It's absolutely beautiful. But the other thing is that they are reasonable. They are, are reasonably priced for be able to, people to come and, and experience camping in a national park. Now, I always tell people because these park campgrounds are so popular, they go fast too. They open up at a certain time on recreation.gov and you got to jump in there and get those reserved. But we do still have some first come first serve campgrounds. Two Medicine is really popular with locals. That's one that will be uh, first come first serve. So be sure and check out our website and make sure you know um what you're getting and i apologize i misspoke to medicine you do need a reservation there sorry about that that's a recent change we had as well last year was the first year you had to had to have reservations there uh, your um your, your sheet here fact sheet says the number of class a campgrounds eight with 943 sites and the number of class b campgrounds five with 61 sites what what are those campgrounds or not specifically but what is the difference between a class a and a class b campground you know, I'm not sure. I would have to dig into that and okay. figure out what that is. But I have a feeling that it has to do with um, whether it's a campsite or a tent site or an RV site. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the stuff are, are, are tent sites, right? There are a lot of tent sites. And then there are, there are some that are specifically for RVs. One of the things that I also encourage people to do, places like Mini Glacier, there will be times when uh, there will be a bear that frequents the campground and becomes a nuisance to the campers there. And for people's safety, we have to change to hard side camping only. So if you are a tent camper, that means you're going to have to sleep in your car or something that gives you a little better protection. But our website has information, and it'll say when those campgrounds have to change to hard side. Mostly Two Medicine is the uh, Two Medicine and um, Many Glacier, but more specifically, Many Glacier is the one that we have to do that at least once or twice a summer. What about large groups, um, like church groups or school groups or things like that? For what, campgrounds, well, or for, for campgrounds for access. I mean, what what can a uh, rather what, what would you consider a large group? Well, it just depends on what you're doing. So we're talking about front country right now, which is our campgrounds that you can drive to and you can unload your, your stuff. 
And then there are the wilderness, or what people used to call backcountry. Uh, those are a little bit different. You can't drive to them. You have to hike to them. Those are really popular with groups, with large groups. And if you're talking about the wilderness camping, the a large group can be one to eight people or nine to 12 people. Or, is that right? I'm going to have to check my facts here real quick. For people who are bringing large groups, what kind of coordination should they be doing with the park? If they are looking to go into the backcountry and take advantage of some of our wilderness sites, we do have a change to those backcountry permits or wilderness permits. And we started last year with making those reservations on recreation.gov. We switched to recreation.gov. Prior to that, our park staff were manually doing those lotteries for those sites. And just like everything else at Glacier, they have become so extremely popular. The the number of applications have just quadrupled. So we went to recreation.gov to try to streamline that and make it a little easier and also allow the visitor to know more in advance whether or not they were successful in getting those, those um, backcountry permits. So if you have a large group, what we've changed it to this year is we are running an early access lottery. That's for when you have groups of 1 to 8 or 9 to 12 campers. And you jump on on May 1 if you are the, the 9 to 12 campers. And then you jump on March 15th if you have the 8 to 1 to 8 campers. And you submit an application to be able to con- be considered for the early access lottery. If you get selected for one of those early access lotteries, and there's about 3,000 slots available for that, and you'll get a message from the park, and you get early access to jump on and reserve those campsites for your backcountry hike with your large group. That's a change that we made to try to help accommodate those large groups. Jenna Eisnagel, again, Public Information Officer with Glacier National Park. What's the reservation system uh, like for the chalets? Oh, boy, those are like winning um, yeah. a ticket to Willy Wonka's factory. It's uh it's pretty intense. People, those reservations go real fast too. Now, those are operated by our concessioners. The park does not manage those reservations for those sites, so it's real important that people jump on and find out when those chalet reservations are coming online. And it's uh, they go really fast as well. But if you ever have an opportunity, it's a once in a lifetime chance. It's just it's amazing. Well, I've never been there myself, but uh, I know that um, they, of course, they they were damaged. Or- not not that long ago, I guess the timeline kind of escapes me a little bit, but they've also been repaired since then too. And uh, well, we almost lost them. Burnt, really, yes, Barry Chalet was burned during the Sprague fire a few years ago, and it was rebuilt and it is back in operation. What's going on in the wintertime? That might be fun for folks to know about. Well, like I said, there what people really like to take advantage of is the snowshoeing mm-hmm. and cross country skiing. In the park, there's a lot of trails that are still open. As long as you've got snowshoes on, you can access those trails. We don't close the park. The going to the Sun Road is closed at Lake McDonald Lodge. So you can't uh, drive past there, but you can certainly hike, snowshoe, or cross-country ski. And one of the popular activities that, uh, go, that we got to restart after COVID, um, you know, it was closed down during COVID, but we've got classrooms of students that are coming in and our educational specialists are taking them out to see the park in the winter on snowshoes and it's very popular with school kids. 
want to ask what your relationship is like with uh, surrounding communities, uh, the bedroom community, so to speak, for, for Glacier National Park. I know that uh, a member of our delegation, Ryan Zinke, representative for the uh, Western District, has raised some concerns uh, about, well, the vehicle uh, registration, a reservation system, and, and other areas, and been in communication um, with, with those communities as well as the park, too. And I know there's some things still to work out there. But what, what's the relationship like uh, with, um, with those communities? We work really hard to have a good relationship with our local communities. And from the very beginning, before we even implemented the very first vehicle reservation system in 2021, we held stakeholder meetings with businesses on the east and the west side of the park. We work closely with our tourism industry. We're in close communication with them constantly getting their feedback, and one of the reasons we made the changes we did this year was in direct relation to the stakeholder feedback that we received as well as feedback from visitors. So I feel the relationship is strong. We so appreciate those businesses that uh, flank Glacier National Park. Without them, visitors wouldn't have the the facilities and um, places to eat and things like that. So we rely on them heavily, and we want to hear from them. Yeah, and, and they get impact. I mean, when they, you talk about 3 million visitors going through the park on a yearly basis, that's uh, quite an impact to them as well. So I know that, um, well, your superintendent has, has said the reservation system has met with um, uh, some approval for the local communities there. Yes, they understand that this is the goose that laid the golden egg, and they don't want to kill the goose. You know, yeah. we have to take care of the resources here in the park. We have to make it's safe for people. If we have gridlock on going to the Sun Road because so many people are trying to get in at those peak times, we can't get vehicles in. We can't get ambulances in. Our rescue teams can't come in. And we have all summer long, uh, all season long, really, we have search and rescues that have to take place for people who get either overheated on the trails, break an ankle, break an arm, um, heaven forbid they have to get life lighted out or we have to conduct a search for a missing hiker it's critical that we can have access and make this a safe we can't guarantee anybody's safety because this is the wilderness glacier national park is the wilderness but we've got to do what we can to be able to get to those folks when they need us thank you so much uh, for for what you do and for this hour too it's uh, it's helped a lot fill in some information Uh, people have more questions nps.gov you do a lot i think on online to try to answer people's questions and so it's good we just we just love the park and want to keep it and all our communities running smoothly there so i know that's the objective um on your end jenna uh, thank you very much appreciate that thank you thanks for inviting me and let's stay in touch thanks again for joining us for the podcast and join us daily monday through friday 9 a.m to 10 a.m for more voices of montana a live issue oriented talk show heard daily monday through friday 9 a.m to 10 a.m on local stations all across montana